Hi everyone, in this video we're going to be thinking a bit about Christmas and the Christmas story. I don't know if you've ever had that thought, why did, uh, did Christmas happen? You know, not in the sense that, oh, why do we have to go through this uh, again every year, the buying the presents, the putting up the decorations and all of that stuff. But rather, more specifically, you now why is it that Jesus had to come as a baby? Now why is it that Jesus had to be made man? Why you know, couldn't God have found some other way uh, of saving us? Why did it have to be this way? And why do we celebrate it each year? Well, that's what we're going to be looking at. And to do that, we're going to look at a passage in Hebrews. We're going to be focusing on Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 to 18. And a real, uh, as usual, read out bits from the passage. But uh, if you'd like to have a read of that, I'll put the link in the description down below. If you click on that, take you through to the Bible Gateway link and you'll be able to read it for yourself. Hebrews 2, uh, 10 to 18. And um, this is really thinking about that question, all about why it is that Jesus had to be made man, had to be made human. And this is how the passage uh, starts off, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. So let's just put this into context. Hebrews is written to a group of Christians who uh, we believe were converts from Judaism and they were thinking about turning back. You know, they'd encountered persecution, they'd encountered suffering as a result of their faith in Christ. And they were thinking, ah, you know, blow this. I, I don't really want this suffering for being a Christian. I want to turn back. I want to go back to my old ways. I want to go back to my Jewish ways and so on. Is, is Jesus really worth it? That's what they were thinking. And so given that, this is, it makes sense, doesn't it, of what he says, that actually he's saying, no, Jesus himself suffered. And it was, it was fitting, it was proper, it was appropriate for God to make Jesus perfect through, uh, through suffering. That would have been a real encouragement to them. And we'll, we'll come back to that in a, in a minute. And when he says, by the way, that Jesus was, he had to be made perfect, it doesn't mean that Jesus was imperfect before in a, in a moral sense. What he's really talking about is to make him a perfect saviour. So, you know, Jesus has always been the son of God, eternally uh, begotten of the father, as we say in, in the creed. He's always existed, but he became man and he needed to become our saviour when he died and he rose again. So that was that's what he's talking about there, not sort of in a moral sense, but in the sense of being a, a saviour. And so um, it says that it was fitting that God uh, should make him perfect through what he suffered. Now, verse 11, both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. Uh, Jesus says in Mark chapter three that it's actually those who believe who are his mother and brother and sisters. You know, those are his true family, those who, who believe and trust in him, who believe and trust in God. And, uh, and that's why it says that uh, because they're the same family, it says Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. So because we're the same family, and then it quotes a couple of uh, quotes from the Old Testament, which you won't go into uh, right at the moment. But it's interesting how they're introduced. Just as a little aside, verse 12, it says, he says, Jesus says. And then he quotes, uh, then he quotes the psalm 
It's interesting, isn't it, how Hebrews has such a high view of the Old Testament that when he quotes a psalm, it's actually Jesus speaking. It's fascinating, isn't it? That I think it puts puts our, our reading of the Old Testament in a different light. And certainly, I, I know a lot of Christians struggle with the Old Testament, but actually, we should we should treat it as the words of God as it is, and we should look to see what what God has to say through us through the Old Testament, because it it is speaking about Jesus and is speaking to us today. And I hope that some of the other series about judges and um, we'll, I'm sure um, we'll do other series as well. Sure, some of those series that I've done on understand the Bible help to understand how it's about Jesus. So, uh, so it says Jesus, verse fourteen. Since the children have flesh and blood, that's us. He too shared in their humanity. So it says because we have uh, flesh and blood, Jesus shared in our humanity Uh, and the reason is it gives two reasons actually why Jesus shared our humanity this is this is getting to the meat of it this is getting to that question we were thinking about why it is that Jesus needed to be human the first reason that it gives is so that he might break the power of him who holds the power of death that is the devil that's what it says elsewhere in the scriptures as well. For, so for example, uh, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8 says the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the work of the devil, to destroy the, the devil's works. That's one uh, one reason that, that Jesus appeared. Um, uh, the biggest power, the greatest power, the ultimate power that the devil has is actually the power of death. Uh, this is what it says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 55 to 57. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is the thing, that the devil is the one who accuses us of our sin, and the one who who says we deserve to die. And, And that is his power. You know, that that's his power over us. He he, he threatens that power of death, that power of getting the punishment that we deserve. But Jesus Christ is the one who broke Satan's power when he rose again. That He says death no longer has any claim over those who believe and trust in Jesus. And this leads on to the, the second thing which it says in Hebrews, uh, that, that why Jesus had to share in our humanity. The second thing is that uh, he's free those, verse 15, free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. This is the second reason to free those who were held in slavery by the fear of death. Now, I think this is quite, I found this really significant, actually, as I, as I was thinking about this passage, because I think we do live in a society where death is a taboo subject. I think people are scared about death and they don't really want to face it. And we're obsessed with life. You look at the the TV, you see the adverts, you see all the anti-aging creams that get advertised. You go in any um, boots or any kind of chemist or what have you, you see loads of of kind of these anti-aging creams. People want to look younger. People don't want to face the fact that they're getting older. People don't want to face the fact that they're going to die. It's not a very pleasant subject. 
And the only time we do t talk about it really is when we make light of it. There's a, a podcast which um, I sometimes listen to called The Grief Cast. Carrie Ad Lloyd is a, a comedian. And she has other comedians on to talk about death and their experience of grief and bereavement. And it's kind of a um, part of it is saying that death is actually quite funny, you know, and some of the, the funny things which they've uh, have happened in the grieving process and, and so on. And their perspective on it. And I think, well, why is it that this should be a popular show? And I think part of the reason why we you know, the popular show is, is when we have comedians talking about death and making it, it funny is actually that we death is so unimaginably awful that we can't deal with it. You know, death is such a terrible thing that we, we just can't handle it. So we need someone to kind of lighten it up a bit because otherwise we'll just go to pieces. And I think this is how a lot of people deal with death is, is that they don't deal with death really. They just try and shove it to the back of their minds, pretend that we're going to live forever and never deal with it. And that's what the Bible says we we're in the grip we're in the grip of, of fear in the grip of Satan because Satan is the one as we just saw who has the power of death I think our culture says eat drink and be merry for tomorrow we die eat drink and be merry for tomorrow we die no just live life for today indulge yourself and don't think too much about what's going to happen in the future because we're we're all going to die and we don't want to think about that. So let's just focus on today and live life for today and, and all of those sorts of things. That's what our culture says. But but actually, the Bible says that is living in fear. That's letting a fear of death control what we do. And we'll, we'll come back to that. It's just, just a moment's time as well. So how did Jesus being made human help? How did Jesus being made human help uh, with all of that? Well, this is what it says in verse 17. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. So Jesus had to be made like us in every way. Why is that? So that he might become a faithful high priest and make atonement. You see, this is the thing that the the price of sin is death. The wages of sin is death, as it says in, in the book of Romans. Death is what we deserve as a result of sin. And that's why death is so awful, because it's a punishment for sin. It's, it's not how things were meant to be. You know, death is not a normal and natural part of life. It, it exists only because of our sin, because of the curse that God gave to Adam and Eve when they sinned and rebelled against him. So sin, uh, so death is a punishment for sin. So Jesus had to make um, was the only one who could make atonement for the sins of the people. He's the only one who could make atonement for our sin, who could make it right. And in order to do that, he had to become one of us. He had to take on our own humanity, our own frail human nature, which is subject to death. He had to experience that that punishment himself on our behalf. And then through the resurrection to break free and to, to defeat death. That is what Jesus did. And that's the only, he, he could only do that because he was made like us, fully human, like us in every way. That's the only reason that it's kind of like the only one who could free us was a human being who could experience death and who was subject to it. 
But yet, the only one who could live a sinless and perfect life, who had the ability to free us, was God. And in Jesus Christ, those two things come together. Jesus, the sinless man, the son of God, but also Jesus, the man, the one who was subject to death and the only one who was able to to defeat it, to overcome it, because he was sinless. And those two things in Jesus come together. There was a saying which is um, attributed, I think this well-known saying in certain circles, uh, to Gregory of Nazianzus, who was one of the early church um, sort of theologians, that what we call the church, um, church fathers, Gregory of Nazianzus. And he says, the unassumed is the unhealed. So what that means is that anything in Jesus which he, he is not human, so anything in us, sorry, which is not taken on by Jesus is, is not healed by Jesus. So Jesus had to take on a, a kind of complete human nature in order to heal human nature. Now anything in us which Jesus didn't take on is not healed. But because Jesus took on a full human nature, we are able to be healed by him. I hope that this is uh, making a bit of sense to you. But that anything that uh, because Jesus took on a full human nature, full humanity, he is able to save humanity. And the good news is, particularly this is where this is where it uh, I think the good news works for us day to day. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. Now, Jesus has inside knowledge about what it's like to be human. Jesus knows from the inside now what it is like to be human. And so he's able to help. You know, he knows our weaknesses. He knows what it's like to grow up. He knows what it's like to hurt. He knows what it's like to have to go through pain, to have people die, to have people betray you and turn away from you and all of those human things. Jesus knows what it is like. And because of that, he is able to help us from a position of knowledge, not from some kind of ivory tower where he's just, you know, dispensing help to to us lesser, lesser mortals. But but actually he knows from the inside what it's like to suffer and he knows what it's like to be tempted to turn back and tempted not to do what we what, what God wants us to do. He knows all of those things, but he is able to help us from that position of knowledge. And I think that's a wonderful thought that Jesus is able, because he shares our humanity, he's able to help us in our humanity. A wonderful thought to remember at Christmas time. Well, what can we what can we take away from from this? When we think about Jesus being made fully human and defeating death, I'd just like to pick up again about what it says about people who are held all their lives in um, by fear of death. Because I think that this is um, this is significant. Uh, let me just read you Luke chapter twelve, verses four and five. Luke chapter twelve, verses four and five, which says, "I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him." Now this is this is a really important point that Jesus has taken away Satan's power. Satan's power, the one who keeps us in the fear of death. Jesus says, no, you don't have to be afraid of that anymore. All death can do is that it's just killing the body. We should fear God and look to him, the one who can grant 
eternal life or the one who can uh, destroy soul and body in hell. He is the one who we should look to obey, not to not to the one who can just kill us, kill the body. So rather than being afraid of death and being scared and letting that control us, rather we should be afraid only of, of God. Not in the sense, by the way, of kind of, a, of a being terrified of God, but rather we should let God and our respect and our reverence and our awe of him be what controls our lives. You know, be, lead us into doing the right things, even when it's difficult, even when it gets us into trouble. You know, there are many Christians throughout the world who are being persecuted for their faith and even to the point of death. And this is a really powerful thing for them because they, you know, knowing and fearing God actually means that they would rather face death than turn away from God. And I think Christians in the West, you know, we've had it pretty easy. We're starting to face more persecution uh, now. You know, people are being excluded from positions of, of government and authority and losing jobs for being Christian and all that sort of thing. We should let our fear of God be what controls and directs us rather than our fear of, of death. Because at the end of the day, all people can do and all Satan can do is just is just kill the body. Nothing more. So we shouldn't fear death anymore. But also we don't have to fear suffering anymore. I think we, we sometimes can be worried about suffering too. And we can think, you know, suffering's not a, I don't want to go down that road. I, I, I'll not say anything um, when people, are, I won't stand up for Jesus when people are talking about these things because I don't want people to call me names or I don't want people to think I'm an idiot or anything like that. But actually Jesus was made perfect through what he suffered. And as it says elsewhere, you know, the servant is not above his master, that we are not above Jesus when it comes to suffering. Now, Jesus's human life and uh, his life on earth was at a time of suffering. And I say I say that with a sense of, you know, Jesus still is human because he's taken humanity to himself uh, forever. But leaving that aside just for the moment, actually, Jesus's life on earth was a time of suffering. And it's a time of uh, it it wasn't kind of the uh, a time of blessedness, but it led to that resurrection life. And we should, too, have that same attitude of expecting our lives here not to be filled with kind of joy and plenty all the time, but that to expect there to be some suffering. For some people, it'd be more than others. But suffering is just a normal part of the Christian life, especially when it's suffering for being a Christian. You know, people think you're a bit weird. People think you're a bit stupid for being a Christian and maybe people call your names. Maybe even some people want to hurt you to kill you. This is all a normal part of the Christian experience. But for those who persevere, for those who carry on with Jesus, it is worth it. It is completely worth it. You know, we shouldn't fear those who can kill the body, but after that can do no more. Jesus, though, knows what it feels like to suffer. And Jesus is able to help those who who are suffering. And that's the wonderful thing. And just as we finish, we should marvel and spend this this opportunity that we have each Christmas to marvel at the incarnation. You know, it's it's easy to kind of talk about Jesus being fully God and fully human. Jesus kind of taking humanity to himself, the eternal son of God being made made man and so on. It's just, a, it's such a, a miraculous thing to think 
that Jesus was made man, that Jesus came to us and was born as one of us and took on everything uh, about what it is to be human. He had to be made like us in every way. And I hope that over this next couple of weeks, through this Christmas time, that we'll find time just to, to spend a bit of time reflecting and marvelling at how amazing it is that the Son of God, who's always existed, should become a human, limited man, just, just like us, take our humanity on himself. I think, isn't that an amazing and wonderful thing to think of during this Christmas time? So I hope that this video has been helpful to you in thinking about the question why it is that Jesus had to be made human, had to be made like us in every respect. Just to, uh, before we finish, I'd like to say, uh, please do click the like button on the video. It does help me out. Uh, it lets YouTube know that people do uh, watch and enjoy uh, these videos. Or if you're on Facebook or on the podcast, um, there are equivalent things you can do. Um, if you look down, I'm sure that there are um, uh, likes and ratings and what have you that you can do and also please do uh, click the subscribe button if you'd like to see more episodes like this and you haven't subscribed already so thank you very much for watching this video i hope that you found it helpful and i shall look forward to seeing you again for another video very soon god bless